0: So I was diagnosed with menstrual migraine and it just got worse, just literally worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where I was having, I think at the most, 25 a month. Oh my God, honestly. Terrible. So I tried every medication under the sun when they originally diagnosed me. And when I was only having about five a month, they gave me this medication and it literally changed my life. I nearly kissed the doctor. I told her that, it's like winning the lottery. And I think when, it's some, when a medication changes your life to the extent where you can go and do the thing. So like if my husband was away and I had a migraine and I had to pick the kids up from school, I could take the tablet. I wouldn't feel great. You know, I wouldn't feel brilliant, but I would mean that I could go and pick my children up, look after my children. Life changing. And then, yeah, they just got worse and worse. And then I found myself asking for more tablets. And that was a telltale sign. I was running out of the meds being kept increasing the number. And then it was like, hang on a minute. No. So I'm very, very happy to share that I've been having Botox for migraine and it is working. Hey there, welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career regardless of her gender and we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other and we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Jobs for Women podcast. I hope you're all well. This week's episode, it's just me, and I am going to be talking about chronic illnesses. This is something that's really personal to me, but it's something that I have lived with throughout most of my life. And I feel like it is such a pertinent subject because if we as women want to be the very best that we can be at work if we want to progress if we want to climb the ladder if we want to go up against the gender discrimination that we're facing and all of the barriers that we know that we're up against if we have chronic pain or ill health or women's health issues how can we manage that so that we can achieve what we want to achieve and i'm always really clear and uh, about this idea that Yes, we want to break down barriers for women to climb the career ladder, but for me, it's about whether they want to. So, if you are happy in your career or you want to stay sort of uh, mid-level in your career and you don't want to climb the ladder, that is okay. If you want to go be a CEO, then that is okay too. So, it's about understanding that we're not we're not all the same. We we don't all have the same drive and ambition to be to get to a certain level. But when we're thinking about chronic illness and pain, you know, whatever level you are at, if you deal with a chronic illness or if you suffer with women's health related illness, then how are we going to make work work around that? And it's something that I think, you know, in this movement that we're seeing in the workplace of being more vocal about taboo subjects such as fertility, trying for a baby, miscarriage wanting, being vocal about wanting to have children and not hiding it, you know, hiding away from it, asking in interviews about flexible working, maternity leave policy, oh, shock, horror. We're women and we might want to have a child, you know, 51% of the population. So as we are being more transparent, as there is a movement, I think there's definitely more openness to talking about health conditions. You know, we're human. We have health conditions. We have things that we have to live with and work with day in, day out. So I was recently interviewed by Metro in the UK, huge publication, a free daily newspaper. I used to read it when I lived in London. I used to live for it on the tube. And if I couldn't get a copy, I'd be like looking around, waiting until someone had finished. I love those days. Um, I'm assuming now that everyone's got Wi-Fi down on the tube and... um, they're not doing that as much. And that makes me sad. Anyway, um, so I was recently interviewed, which was it's always a pleasure. Um, We've had lots of press articles uh, for for Jobs for Women recently, which is brilliant because it means we're sharing our message with the world. Um, And the journalist asked me some really, really interesting questions. So for context, I have pelvic congestion syndrome. For years, the doctors thought I had endometriosis. I have suffered with my periods from the word from the get-go I started my period I remember having the day off school so I've always had really heavy very painful periods um and yeah they just presumed because of the pain levels that it was endometriosis um I had like scans uh, but I didn't have a laparoscopy to get a diagnosis until a couple of years ago. So let's think about this. I have just suffered all through my 20s in the early stages of my career. I just had to crack on. In the early stages of my career, I worked in PR and marketing in London. I worked for TV and film companies, lots of events, red carpets, weekend, night, you know, evenings. And if I was on my period, I had to suck it up, not literally, (laughs) but I had to just get those tablets in me make sure I had all my supplies so that I didn't have any leakage, which was very common. And I had to just crack on. There was no ringing in sick because I had menstruation pain. And I often think now, why did I not ring in sick? Why did I not share that with my line manager? Was it that I didn't want to be judged? That I didn't want them to think I wasn't committed to the job? That I that it would affect my promotion potential? that all that women just weren't talking about it I think it's a bit of everything when I think back you know on it if if I worked with women which I did you know they weren't talking about it maybe they didn't have it maybe they did and we just didn't talk about it so it was kind of like I just literally sucked it up crapped on was in agony I remember working away in one of my last jobs at 20th Century Fox and being in um being in Cannes and Oh gosh, just the pain, agony, really agonizing, uh, tummy pain. And then as I sort of got older, this, I mean, I always did get headaches, but then the, the migraine element, uh, came in and yeah, it, it, it was hard. It was tough. I remember taking loads of, loads of tablets, you know, really strong cocodermol and nothing helped. And the reason I wanted to record this podcast today is because I know that there are lots of people, men, women, whatever your gender I know we're here to talk about women, but I know that there's a lot of people living with chronic health conditions and trying to, you know, get through the working day. And the reason I want to record this is because I think we need to be more transparent. I think we need to be honest with our line manager and get over this sort of presumption that we're going to be judged. Because I know at some organizations, you know, you are going to be judged, especially if you work in a male-dominated industry. And you go to your manager about a women's health issue. If they're a man, for example, they might obviously not have any understanding, any empathy because they can't understand. But when I shared a post on women suffering with menopause symptoms on Instagram, not Instagram, sorry, on LinkedIn a good few months ago, it was literally went viral. It was a Guardian article where you know, the government had not supported this request for it to be, this law to be passed to support women at the workplace. And this really nice man messaged me on LinkedIn and he just said, thank you so much for sharing this. I, I've supported my wife, but it's it's great to read the comments. It's great to see that this is being talked about um, and how I can sort of educate myself on supporting my wife even more. So that was amazing because it, it you know, as a line manager, I know that was a husband, but as a line manager, how can we encourage line managers to empower themselves with knowledge to support their staff, whatever they're working with, whether it's a women's health or chronic health condition? So yeah, they thought I had endometriosis for years, um had the laparoscopy, I came around after surgery, the consultant came in the room and I was like, okay, and it was so weird because. Obviously, when you're having a diagnostic test to see what is going on inside your body, you want it to be good news. You don't want to have obviously anything sinister going on. you want everything to be okay. But when the consultant told me that I didn't have endometriosis, i was I looked at him blankly and I was like, "What? I've been in agony for so many years is this what is Is this just like a normal period?" are people literally living like this and are we not talking about it? And obviously he it was just a short pause. And then he, he, he told me what my full diagnosis was. But in that moment, I was so confused with my reaction because I didn't want to have endometriosis, but equally I wanted to, there to be a reason that I was suffering so badly with this pain every single month. So then he said, "You have pelvic congestion syndrome." For those that don't know, that is varicose veins around the pelvis area, which cause severe pain. They're basically like incompetent pelvic veins. So it's sort of the the blood flow isn't moving in the right way, or it could be congested, like a slow blood flow, and it causes intense pain, and not just around the time of the month. It can be any time. Um, it's honestly very painful and getting worse and worse. And I, st- I have like um, marks on my stomach now, which I thought was from the constant use of a hot water bottle over the years. But it's actually like mottled skin, which is a clear symptom of pelvic congestion syndrome. So, you know, as a woman worked my whole life, I've managed that. But again, the reason to record this podcast is it's like I want to say to women, if you are suffering with a chronic health condition like that, to be open. I want to encourage women to have the conversations because the more we have these conversations, that we are human, we are real, normal people. We have health conditions. We have things that happen in our life ebbs and flows of life, that if we are not transparent at work, how are we going to work and be the best? How are organizations going to get the very best out of their employees if they are not supporting them and having this open dialogue? For example, if you have really bad periods, endometriosis, pelvic health condition, whatever, if you are really open and honest with your line manager, could it not be that on that time of the month, potentially, you could have the flexibility to work from home. Yes, that is not applicable for everyone. If you work on a ward, you know, if you work shifts, if you have to be there in person, I know that doesn't work for everyone. But there are a lot of companies that can offer flexible working in terms of working from home. I know for me, when my pelvic congestion syndrome is really, really bad, I have hot water bottles at the front, hot water bottles at the hot water bottle at the back. I take my medication to reduce uh, my blood flow of my period because I still just have very, very heavy periods. And I know that I'm at home in my environment that I can have my hot water bottle as much as I want, make hot drinks, you know, make myself feel supported and safe, which I truly believe, I'm a yoga teacher as well, that if our environment is comforting, safe, nourishing, nurturing that we will sort of drop into our parasympathetic nervous system and be able to relax a little bit more. And when I say relax, it's not hanging out on the sofa and not doing any work. So having the conversations with work might mean that you can support yourself, support your health, look after your well-being, so that when you are on your, I'll say better days or, um, the days when you're not in pain, you know, you can thrive, you can smash out that to do list, you can be incredible, not that you're not incredible on those days, but it's about balance. And when I interviewed Kat Parsons on the podcast, um, a month or so ago, we talked about this, And we talked about period pain, and, and, and she talks about being really transparent with her boss, and that she goes at full throttle, you know, 99% of the time, But she said to a manager on those days, she's going to be going at a bit less, but she makes up for it in bucket loads when she is at her best. So it's kind of like taking a step back to acknowledge what you're going through is not a bad thing. It's something, it's a part of life. It is a part of you. And the way in which we look at our health, if we focus on the negatives completely, like for me, if I think, uh, because I did get in this mindset where I was, I was, you know, looking at the dates on the calendar and looking at the month ahead and thinking, oh no, period's coming again. But that was a really negative mindset for me. It was me tagging on this negativity around this time of the month that I had no control of. It was coming. It's coming every month. So it's kind of like I had to shift my way of thinking and my approach and I had to excel and do my, you know, my running or my strength training. And because I'm, you know, big into exercise, obviously big into yoga. um, But there was a big mindset piece for me to do. I had to listen to my body so that when it was time of the month, I eased off. I took gentle yoga. I didn't run. I remember doing a run and my my stomach, like the veins in my pelvis, it, my body was saying, hey Zoe, can you stop pounding these pavements now because this is not good for your body. So again, it's kind of like be in tune with yourself, know what to give yourself. If that means working from home to support yourself and your well-being and your health so that you can remain happy in your job, and that companies let's let's face it recruiting and retaining staff is expensive so they want to support you they want to look after you but what I'm encouraging you to do is to have those conversations um so yeah so going back to the metro article it publishes really soon and she asked me loads of different questions um she obviously asked me about my experience with chronic pain. with chronic pain, And I've had my he- fair share of health conditions over the years. And I'll share, I'm so open with my story. So when I was 16, I was diagnosed with a heart condition called superventricular tachycardia, which meant I had an extra circuit in my heart. And it meant that in very random, there was no rhyme or reason. And my heart would go into a, a really fast arrhythmia, not very nice, not pleasant at all. Several you know, ambulances, hospital, A&E visits. I remember being out with my best friend for drinks and it started and they sort of didn't accuse me, but they were like, is she doing drugs? And my friend was like, no, she has a heart condition. So I've got all the stories. I eventually had heart surgery when I was 21 and they basically eradicated that extra circuit and touch wood, I've been okay ever since. I've had, obviously, the periods um, suspected endometriosis from, gosh, how old was I? 12 when I started my period. So I had that always there. Um, And then when I moved to London, I got married around 27. And high blood pressure runs in my family. Um, It's hereditary. My brothers both have it and I have it. My mum started in her 30s. We're all fit you know, pretty healthy. So it's definitely hereditary. So they detected high blood pressure, uh, went on blood pressure meds, and then they realized it was my thyroid. So I've had hypothyroidism since then. Later diagnosed as Graves disease. um, I've relapsed several times. So there's now talk of a thyroidectomy, which I really don't want because the doctors told me that the risk was cutting the vocal cords. And that for me, like when I, I remember crying before my heart surgery and being, oh gosh, you made me feel emotional. Uh, you know, being being worried about the, res, you know, the the potential risk, obviously, of death. But you know, pacemaker for the rest of your life. And the thing with the thyroidectomy is, it's like your voice is your voice. For me, it's I don't particularly like my voice. I don't think any of us do when we listen back to it. But it's your identity, isn't it? And a big risk factor is the risk of going through the vocal cords. And my mum's friend is a surgeon and he actually confirmed that, yeah, it's it can happen quite a lot. The other option is radioactive iodine treatment, um, which I'd try first, but I wouldn't be able to go near my children for two weeks. Obviously that's not great, but I mean, probably on a beach somewhere, I'll be happy. So I've got that going on. That's under control at the moment. I'm hoping that I can just remain on on and off meds and and that's fine. And then the other thing that I'm living with is chronic migraine. The reason I thought, I was driving back from the hospital yesterday and I thought, I'm going to record a podcast on this. I'm going to share my story because I love podcasts when people are just so real, so honest. And I honestly believe that if we share our experiences, you know, you might have friends that have migraine or that have this recurrent tummy pain, an arrhythmia, you know, and you might just tell someone, hey, listen to this podcast. and it might help someone. Um, so yeah, so chronic migraine. Wow. So I always had migraines. They got worse over the years with periods. I originally went to the doctors with these menstrual migraines. That's what I was diagnosed with. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't look after the kids. Dark room, three, four days. Horrific. Would not wish that on anybody. And I am on it. I, I do think when it comes to migraine, neurological, you can't do anything. You can't work. You can't, talk and have a conversation because when your head is throbbing, you feel sick, you get, you know, the aura, I get black, I get zigzags and dots, right side, left side, and the pain is front, uh, in the temples and at the front of the head. Terrible. Honestly, just horrific. Um, so I was diagnosed with menstrual migraine and it just got worse, just literally worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where I was having, I think at the most 25 a month. My God, honestly. Terrible. So I tried every medication under the sun. When they originally diagnosed me, and when I was only having about five a month, they gave me this medication and it literally changed my life. I nearly kissed the doctor. I told her that it's like winning the lottery. And I think when it's some when a medication changes your life to the extent where you can go and do the thing. So, like if my husband was away and I had a migraine and had to pick the kids up from school, I could take the tablet. I wouldn't feel great you know, I wouldn't feel brilliant, but I would mean that I could go and pick my children up, look after my children. Life changing. And then, yeah, they just got worse and worse. And then I found myself asking for more tablets. And that was a telltale sign. I was running out of the meds, being kept increasing the number. And then it was like, hang on a minute. No. So I'm very, very happy to share that I've been having Botox for migraine and it is working. And I, I can't tell you how life-changing so when I had the medication originally that changed my life the Botox injections have meant that I've reduced my migraines from like 25 down to about seven or eight for some of us especially if you don't have headache, you'd be thinking what Botox for migraine but yes so how clever is this basically Botox is like a nerve toxin, as we know, and it paralyzes the muscles in the face. People get it in the forehead. People get it in the armpits, actually, if they have like chronic sweating. So it paralyzes the muscles. So the the theory behind the Botox in terms of chronic migraine is that the Botox blocks the neurotransmitter, the pain signal that the brain is... You know, the, you get the migraine, and then the the pain is the, it's telling the brain that this this chronic pain in your head, this awful migraine, and the Botox essentially just blocks that pathway. So, I mean, you can use Botox for loads of other, you know, in the same principle of blocking this pathway. You can do it for like spasms. Uh, I know it's used in cerebral palsy, uh, bladder pain, lower back pain, neuropathic pain, and and stroke. But it yeah, so it blocks the neurotransmitters that carry the pain signal from within the brain. I mean, oh my God. And I remember at the time being so desperate and I spoke to my consultant on the phone and I think I was literally, I was so desperate. I cannot explain how desperate I was. And he said, look, Zoe, I'm not supposed to say this, but I I think it's going to work for you. It's worked for so many of my patients. He thought I was a classic hormone, very, very... very influenced by hormones he didn't think i was just like a case where you can have you can start with chronic migraine and for some people they could have four treatments of the of the botox and it works and goes away he thinks that you know up until i go through maybe menopause um i'm going to really suffer so it's it's like a long term treatment i had about 3 sessions and then it started to properly work and I cannot tell you how it changed my life. And what's really interesting is that it lasts three months and then it wears off. And if my appointment isn't to the date, I get a week or two of horrific migraines. So it's almost like the Botox blocks the pain signals. And then when it wears off, it just starts again, like literally like turning a tap on. So I went yesterday um, and it made me laugh because... The, the, the specialist nurse that was giving me the injection said, um, I told her about when it, you know, when it, when it stops working. And, and so she gave me extra in the side of my head because that's where I get the, the worst pain. And she said, make sure you go home tonight and look after yourself and rest and you might get sort of fever and a really bad migraine. I went home, took my daughter to the doctors, planned a yoga class, went out and taught. Like, talk about practice what you preach, Zoe. I need to really listen deeply to that and work on that Um, but I was so grateful for having the treatment I was just like I feel energized and happy to go out and teach yoga and it always gives me um, you know a really nice buzz my the, the the students that come to my classes are just all incredible and I feel like we have a real transformative class lots of grounding work we did last night coming up to the full moon um which is very soon the flower moon in May and I left and yeah I was tired and I'd had 32 did I mention that 32 injections and ouch let me tell you it hurts it really 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 hurts especially in the temples they do the shoulders the neck um or sort of in the hairline very painful. But do you know what's more painful? 25 migraines a month. So that is my chronic pain story. It was a pleasure to be interviewed by the Metro to share my story To because I'm really keen to help others. And if you take home anything from this podcast, it's that if you are diagnosed with a chronic illness or any sort of condition which affects your life, I want you to really Try really, really hard to not let it consume you. Do your research. Find other people that have it. I have joined loads of groups on Facebook, pelvic congestion syndrome groups. I've found people on Instagram. I've joined a chronic migraine group. It's so amazing to share and to share your story, but listen to other people that are going through this because it makes you feel like you are not alone. And this is why I wanted to share this podcast today. I have always worked. When I went to the doctors and got that amazing medication all those years ago, I said to the doctor, you've allowed me to work again. You know, I'm not a sick day kind of person. I I am a grafter, literally. I am. I love it. I thrive on it. I, I'm i such a hard worker and a go-getter that to be have a debilitating illness was really frustrating for me. But if you don't have if you're if you're living with a chronic health condition and you don't have that at the moment because this has been a journey for me this this chronic migraine is you know i've suffered i've had days off sick i've had days in bed dark room classic migraine the after effects it's terrible but i've come through this journey so i am here to help share my experience and encourage you to be transparent with your place of work if they are a good place for you to be. They will support you. They will look after you. If they're not, then that's, you know, another conversation that we need to have. But I think the more we work at this grassroots level of being honest about what we are living with day to day, the more we'll get out of work, the more our employers will get out of us as humans. You know, we can't go at full throttle 100% all of the time. It's not humanly possible. So, reach out to me if you've got any questions about women's health, about what to say to work. If you need advice on how to approach it with your line manager, I'm so happy to speak to you. I'm a life coach and careers coach, as well as the founder of Jobs for Women. I'm a yoga teacher. I can help you with mindset. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help women make work work for them. And your chronic health condition or your health condition, whatever you've got going on, doesn't have to be you. You are not the pain. You are not the condition. You are you. And you're going to find a way to live with it and be the happiest and healthiest you can be whilst living with it. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Let me know if you know anyone that's suffering with any of the conditions I talked about, or that's struggling with, with being in pain, taking sick days and needs some advice please send this to them. Um, help me reach more women. Could you do me a favor and just click on the copy share button, What's WhatsApp this podcast, five friends right now. Ask them to be part of the community. Ask them to be part of this movement of empowering women in the workplace and in their personal lives. Don't forget to join our membership, careers and wellbeing, on-demand yoga, live yoga, meditation, mindfulness, yoga nidra, careers advice, masterclasses with incredible expert women from across the world. I've got someone from America delivering a podcast very soon, a a podcast, sorry, a masterclass and I'm really excited. It's going to be a place where you can find mentors, you can network, you can ask questions, you can find support. It's the place to be as a woman. Don't forget, the platform is free from age uh, 16 to 21 in full-time education. Your uh, education establishment needs to be enrolled. A very, very, very small admin fee just to get um, that process sort of locked in. And yes, come on this journey with me. Thank you so much for listening. Look after yourselves. Take care. Reach out on Instagram or email hello at jobsforwomen.co.uk. I will see you very soon.